today on Geekdeming Powers. So, and the other thing is, can you please pronounce your name for me? Oh, thank you so much for asking. Everyone pronounces it wrong and never asks. <laughs> Nina Daisy Aberline. Okay, but I would think most people wouldn't get it wrong. Like, I have no. They say Aberlin. Aberlin. Okay. But it's, no, it's Aberline. But yeah. You are listening to Geekdom Empowers, the podcast about people empowered through their geekiness. Welcome back! My name is Guy Hasson and you are listening to Geekdom Empowers. Geekdom Empowers highlights creators and fans in the geek world who do not often get to be highlighted. We are all one big, huge, giant, world-sized quilt of geeks. Our guest today is Nina Daisy Aberline, an Italian-Canadian creator of comics. Nina is going to talk to us about her journey, about her comics, about the comics she's created, about Monster Girl communities, which personally I've never heard of before, and now I have. About other smaller communities that I've also never heard of before, and now I have. And maybe you haven't heard about them before, or maybe you already have. Who knows? Anyway, she's fun to talk to, and her journey is super interesting. So let's listen. In what country am I catching you? Like where are Italy. You? Italy. Okay. Uh, what's your origin story? Oh, uh, <laughs> um, so I'm an Italian-Canadian comic artist, um, live in Italy, uh, work here mostly. I started um, taking comics a little bit more seriously while I was in high school, and after I graduated, I went to comic school, where I spent the next three years of my life, you know, pretty much studying the, the theory behind the, the creation of comics mostly. And I've been creating ever since. Just, well, that's that's the end of the origin story. Like, when did you start liking comics or drawing or making up stories? So when I was a little girl, they gave me a piece of paper and they gave me colored pencils and they said, draw whatever you like. And I never stopped. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Um, well, I, I guess I started liking comics, oh, like most people, a little bit more seriously when I was in middle school and um and you know like many people who who, like start taking creativity a little bit more seriously uh at that age uh you know I'd be navigating on like YouTube tutorials the the classic uh, you know how to draw manga bullshit that of course I've outgrown uh since And, you know, here and there throughout my teenage years, I'd experiment, you know, like between illustrations and stuff like that, I try doing, like, I don't know, a few comic pages here and there, you know, just to try it out, just like tell a story. Then when I was 17 or 18, I had this nice idea for a story in my head called uh, Our Name Was Maya, which was a story about a girl who was born with two souls uh, in her body. Um, So, you know, she's like like polar opposite personalities. But when she died, because these two souls were like completely different, one went to heaven, one went to hell. And so the story was about the two twin souls 
trying to reunite pretty much. And I started drawing it and I didn't stop. I finished it and then I was like, oh, I like this. And so then I've been moving on to uh, other projects here Wait, and there. Let's get stuck on that project. Let's, uh, what age was this? Uh, our name was Maya. I started when I was 17 or 18. And I completed it in 2018. So uh, I finished it in about two and a half years. So when I was about 20, 21 years old. Did the story end? Did it, was it a happy yes. ending? Happy oh, ending? Yes, happy ending. Actually, I've got a copy right here. One sec. Let me, yes, let me sure. go grab it. This is it. Oh, nice. Her name was Maya. 94 pages, um, two and a half years of my life. And like the art here and there is wonky because, you know, I was still a teenager when I made it, but I'm pretty proud of it. And it's a good starting point. How did you get to this to people? My main publishing platform for How I Met Was Maya at the time was SmackJuice, which was an online webcomic platform. But since then, SmackJuice has done a lot of really bad decisions and has like dug its own grave. And now nobody uses SmackJuice. And what did um, it do? So pretty much what I would do that. Sorry? What did it do? Uh, it, uh, well, um, Smackjeeves was a good webcomic uh, website because it was traditional and different from the other ones that were around. Because most other webcomic websites, um, like uh, Webtoons uh, and Tapas, for example, they almost only support the vertical scrolling format. While Smack Cheese was like one of the only like mainstream ones that still supported like the, the, the traditional comic page format. And a couple of years ago, they were like, oh, we should become like the others because maybe that way we'll become more popular. But they didn't. Their new website was horrible. Um, it became almost impossible to find indie comics on their platform, only their professional ones. And there were many promises that they made that they didn't keep. And so their user base gradually left. So they tried to imitate um, platforms like Webtoon, but they did it very poorly. And now pretty much nobody uses MacJeeves. Everyone's using Tapas and Webtoons, like myself. Okay. So this is the place where we can talk about geek stuff. So, you know, I'm sure there are lots of people who know what MacJeeves are. I, I didn't. Uh, okay. So, and so how was people's reactions to, to it? Um, well, because it was like my, our name was Maya was my very first work. Um, I also like did not have a lot of experience, you know, like marketing and stuff like that. But I did uh, get a few, you know, new friends in the comic community. And this was like when I first started networking a little bit in the comic community and making friends who also uh, did comics. Uh, which was a very good uh, experience, but it also felt foreshadowing to the much bigger experience of networking and, and marketing uh, that I would be you know, doing um, with my current project, uh, Sunrise Blossom, which is 
so much bigger than our name was Maya. And I am so proud of the progress that I've made since then. Okay, so let's move on past Maya. What happened then? So, that? well, uh, with Our Name Was Maya, I finished it in two and a half years. Um, and my mother, uh, as a birthday present, she was like, you know what, Nina, I'm going to print you a few copies uh, of this comic as a birthday present. And she did. And that's why I, I have like this copy. And then mm -hmm. like, I sent a couple to some close friends who supported me through the comic endeavor uh, and a few family members. And almost immediately after Our Name Was Maya was finished, I started to get into uh, Sunrise Blossom. And at this point, uh, I had met, uh, I had been participating actually in several online communities uh, on like Facebook, but mostly Discord um, and platforms like that. Uh, communities that focus mostly on comic creation, particularly also in the, the genre. The, that I like to work in. And then uh, together with their help, both my, my, my skills, my, oh gosh, what's the word? Um, my abilities pretty much on reaching out and even like small things like um, how to tell a story of this kind of genre a little bit better. You know, like it's, it's, they, they help me a lot pretty much. And and it's it's gotten a, a lot better um i mean like for example with our name was maya in two and a half years on none of the platforms that i published on i ever got more than 100 subscribers which at the time you know i was like oh i have 87 subscribers on smack chiefs that's awesome <laughs> but like now on webtoons with sunrise blossom i have like 1,800 subscribers, which is like a really big jump mm -hmm. from from the previous one. And, you know, it feels like uh, gradually becoming more, I, I don't want to say professional, but like the ability of like doing this for, no, the possibility of like doing this for a living is becoming gradually more and more a realistic possibility. Do you think that the rising... Uh, subscribers is because of the quality or is it that it's now in a different in a different place or is it that you've done it for a while why 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 did that happen all, of all them? three <laughs> all three pretty much so um quality wise like at the beginning sunrise blossom the quality actually wasn't really better than our name was maya mostly because i was experimenting uh with a different style um because a um, quick story behind it um in my second year of comic school um our teachers tried to have us step away from the usual semi-realistic style that we had always almost always been working on and told us to work uh on something with a little bit that was a little bit more cartoony pretty much and so i did a few test pages of this nice little you know, like like four or five pages um, in a cartoony style of this girl who found a wounded bird on the street, uh, took it back home to nurse it back to health. And the next morning she found she had a naked harpy uh, in bed with her. And a naked? A naked harpy, yes. But heartbeat. in the, the final I heard story. Heartbeat and I couldn't figure out what you're saying. Oh no, harpy, heartbeat. like half woman, half bird. 
And my teachers at the time uh, at the comic school uh, really liked it. And I fell in love with the concept. And, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make this my next big project. And so I started uh, using a style that was relatively new to me because I hadn't used it much. And I also experimented um, doing just black and white for a while uh, because I saw that on with other comics, it worked. And also I knew that it would be cheaper to print. And so I tried that. But also when, when I started Sunrise Blossom, uh, I got a lot of really bad advice at the same time, mm-hmm. which actually hindered my growth for a while. Um, but I was mostly able to, to overcome uh, that bad advice and what kind of advice did you say well stuff that like oh don't worry on webtoon and tapas black and white comics do well they don't mm-hmm. uh, on platforms like that it's okay to publish traditional page comics which is like you know like the classic mm-hmm. you know rectangle page it's okay to publish those on those platforms people read them anyway no they don't <laughs> and so I had to later on unlearn some of the bad advice that I was given and uh, like reformat a lot of pages, you know, from like the rectangle page, like the Beautiful. vertical format, that the one that you can read on your phone by, by scrolling pretty yeah. much. Uh, and I was doing a lot better compared to that. Okay. So like on one side, like there's, there's, so yeah, there's the quality, which um, at the beginning is, but it picks up again. Uh, the platform makes a big difference because Webtoons in the past few years has grown immensely. It literally worldwide has millions and millions of users, while Smack Jeeves had a lot fewer uh, users. Sure. Uh, not, not to mention how Webtoon as a platform has grown so much that many of its most popular comics uh, have actually been turned into like TV series and animated series and have, have become like Netflix originals and stuff like that, you know, like from, taken from the, from, web, from yeah. Webtoon. Yeah. Okay. Didn't know that. And it should happen, but I didn't, I didn't know. Yeah, it, like, for example, um, like the first that comes to mind is Sweet Home on Netflix. Okay. Uh, or like Itai One Class, uh, True Beauty. Um, uh, there, there's lots of others, but I can't remember any, many of them right now, but that they, they came from Webtoons, okay. pretty much Cheese in the Trap, also uh, mostly romance stuff. But And so like the, the platform is a lot bigger. And oh, so you mentioned the platform, the quality, and there was something else that I don't remember right now. Anyway, yeah, it's, it's doing good. And how are people reacting to, to the story? Like, and how are you reacting to how people are reacting? Well, um, there's always extreme opposites in the comment section. Like, there's going to be people that are like, oh, that's cute. Uh, there's going to be people that are like, ah, that's amazing. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe they did that. Oh, my goodness. And then there's going to be people that are, like, pissed off because something happened that there's, there's always polar opposites, but um, the, the medium, the middle line, I would say that on the platform itself, because only people that actually read it comment, 
on it. Uh, it's got pretty good response. Um, I've tried marketing it uh, online on places like Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, etc. I tried marketing it to both um, uh, girl love communities, you know, like comics that you know focus on like girls, and monster girl communities because you know like the main character is like a harpy, so like half human, half bird, pretty much. Oh, and well, yeah. Let's talk about monster girl communities. I've never heard of that. So can you explain that for a second? Um, so the monster girl community, um, it, it, it's, it's like, are you familiar with the furry community? Furry community, yeah. Yeah, so the furry, it, it's, it's similar to the furry community a little bit. So like the furry community, they like um, anthropomor anthropomorphic animals. So like animals that have like human features. It's the a monster girl community... Right? A bit. It, yeah. it can be sexual, but it can be like, you know, just something relaxed. Like, for example, uh, Zootopia, the, the Disney movie, yeah. is very much a furry, a furry movie, but it's not sexual. Yeah. So like any anything online, it can be sexual, but it doesn't really have to be. And the Monster Girl community is similar in that sense uh, in how they really like uh, girls that are monsters kind of or like maybe half human half animal but like more humanized compared to furries mm -hmm. so like uh, in the case of my main character she has bird legs uh fluffy ears wings and a tail but like she doesn't have a beak or like feathers in her hair mm -hmm. well i do have characters in the comic that like do have like beaks and have like more bird-like features um not all of them uh, so like monster girls monster girl community they like um goblin girls uh slime girls snake girls um spider girls like arachnid like, like if you think of like greek mythology for example or like dungeon and dungeons and dragons races and monsters then it's that's pretty much it or like also i don't know zombies vampires uh things and like that pretty much again is it are the communities also a sexual thing is it oh, very, much. very much <laughs> very and much sexual yes in fact uh most of my patreon uh like most people who pledge to my patreon don't even read my comic but they do it because of uh because on my patreon um anyone who offers ten dollars or more every month they get a small accumulative commission uh, so normally, so normally stuff like maybe one month I do the rough sketch, the next month I clean the sketch, the month after that I do the line art. So like over a few months, I can like do a full illustration. And like most people who pledge to my Patreon do it because of my monster girl art. Oh. So, yeah. And what kind of, are we talking teenagers, adults, 20-something? Mostly adults. 50-something, 80-something? Yeah. Uh, I think that um, like among people who pledge to my patron but also like in the monster girl community in general i say that most people are between the ages of maybe 18 and 30 something maybe even 40 because it is it's a fetish pretty yeah, much so, I, I get it i get it yeah is it mostly uh women or men well because of how objectified and sexualized the women are when it comes to monster girls, um, it's mostly men. 
But there is a monster loving community that is predominantly female, but they don't normally lurk in the same areas. So like um, there are entire like, uh, like there are entire parts like on TikTok and Reddit dedicated to women who, um, is, it, is it okay to say the F word? Yes. Okay, so there, there, there are entire communities dedicated to women who want to fuck Venom, for example, the, the Spider-Man okay. villain. Yeah. Or like want to do werewolves or orcs, things like that, like big scary monsters with big... Yeah. <laughs> I have Sorry. a flashback to me in the seventh grade mm-hmm. where, you know, I didn't know anything about anything. And... A policeman came to school to, to talk to the class and said, who's been offered the drugs and, uh, around school? And everybody's hands went up except mine. I had no idea <laughs> something like that existed. That's my feeling now. Didn't know. Who's going, sense to offer it drugs? Never heard who's of going it. to offer drugs at a, like, a kid, though? No, it's a seventh grade. Uh, yeah, but still, seventh grade, they're like, what, 12, I think? Yeah. Well, apparently that was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there is uh, a, like a big community of people who want to put their ding-dongs into uh, half-monster creatures like my main character. So I try to um, market in that community a lot. And I have like lots of friends in that community who like appreciate my art and stuff. Though not everyone... Um, appreciates the LGBT side of the story because even though my main character is a, a monster girl she she doesn't do men she does women and not everyone is up for that sadly but okay so let's continue the story with your, uh, okay yeah so you started the uh, publishing and the numbers got to be higher. And uh, how is that going? Well, um, I will say it is a bit frustrating how slowly uh, the numbers have been growing. And I know that like it should be like taboo to compare yourself to other creators uh, in the same communities and the same platforms and stuff. But I, I will agree it is sometimes frustrating when I've been... Uh, because like currently I've been publishing this story on Webtoons for three years. And there are people who have been publishing for two months that have like five times as many subscribers as I do. And it's frustrating. But on the plus side, I always remind myself that I have more patrons and more faithful commenters. So I try to cling to that when I remember, uh, when I remember those things. And honestly, it's been... I want to say it's been a journey, but I don't think that's the right word because like I've been creating out of habit and out of passion. And so it's just something that I that I do almost every day. Like when I'm not working or if I don't have like chores to do in the house and stuff, I take out my tablet, turn on my computer and I just start drawing. And I've been doing that almost every day. And then bit by bit, the, the pages become longer. Uh, there's more and more content and when I <clears throat> re when I finished um, like the first two hundred some two hundred twenty something pages of the comic, I was like, "Whoa, okay, slow down. Uh, maybe I should try and print this." 
And so I, and this was last year, I did an Indiegogo campaign to fund the printing of the first comic. It went pretty well, uh, 100% funded, everything good. Printed and everything. I've got several copies of the first volume. And next month, I am launching the crowdfunding campaign on Kickstarter for the second volume. Um, so the first volume is 223 pages. Um, it is in black and white, mostly in, in grayscale, uh, because it's expensive to print that many pages in color. Um, but also, like one, one of the strongest points of the first volume is how much the art improves over time. Like these, I'm not sure how much visible it is. This is like I the beginning yeah. of the first volume. People who are listening to this will have to wait till the YouTube comes out. And yeah, it. I'm sorry. You'll have to oh, like look it on YouTube or like look me up on Google if you want to see. And like these are like the last final pages. Wow, that's a huge. So like they're, yeah, yeah there, there's a, like a big gradual shift in quality. And the second volume is shorter than the first volume. It's 53 pages, but it's in full color. Uh, the art is a lot better. It has beautiful red-headed harpies, sexy Scottish old men, <laughs> tearful harp, tearful, no, yes, tearful heartwarming reunions and romance tropes that are shoved in there sometimes because I forget it's supposed to be a romance comic. <laughs> so sometimes I put in some romantic bits but it works and is cute nice and you said you felt you were beginning to feel you could actually get uh, a living from doing comics a bit by bit by bit yeah so like um, <clears throat> um i haven't launched the kickstarter yet but compared to the indiegogo i can tell it's already doing a lot better mm -hmm. because uh when i launched the crowdfunding campaign for volume one I only had like 24 people signed up to the pre-launch page. Uh, and also because among like the crowdfunding communities online, like the indie comic communities online, I wasn't really known at all then because I was, I, I, I was mostly active in Webtoon um, communities, groups and, and things like that. So I wasn't really known in the indie, in the indie scene. So I only launched uh, with 24 people signed up to the pre-launch page and I was able to reach my goal. And the Kickstarter, which launches next week, I currently have like 43 or 44 people signed up, which is like significantly more. So I'll be able to reach my goal a lot faster, I'm pretty sure. And also um, I might be able gradually to make a living out of it because if I am able to do crowdfunding campaigns frequently enough, um, then I'll, aside from, you know, like having the money from that, um, also, my, uh, my, both the numbers on Webtoons and my Patreon have been growing exponentially almost in the past year. Like in 2021, uh, like January 2021, I had maybe, I made something like, I don't know, maybe 30, uh, 40 bucks a month on Patreon, which is good. Mm -hmm. But now I'm making like 120 bucks a month. On Patreon, so like I got a lot more patrons, uh, patrons over the year, and if things like continue at this rate, then I'll be able to spend less time um, 
with my day job and more time doing this, which is awesome. Yeah, just not that I've done this, but just sounds to me like even when you get to have like a whole salary uh, a month, you know, economies could collapse, people, you know, suddenly there's a worldwide plague and people feel they can't spend money. So have some money spared, you know, for a few months just before you quit your job. Just oh no, I, 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 I don't, I don't actually have any intention of quitting my job, even if I got, um, you know, like enough, even if I made enough money on Patreon, mostly because if I only did comics, it would be a lonely life. Like I would be spending most of my life, uh, most of my days um, tucked in my, in my studio, talking almost to no one. Like, even if like, maybe I, I don't know, participate in voice chats on discord, you know, and talk to people like chat or even stream while working, it's not the same. Like, and, and it also affects my mental health negatively if I don't interact socially with anyone. So currently um, I'm teaching part-time. Uh, I teach English part-time. And I kind of need that, you know, like to interact with people because otherwise the only people I see in real life would be my boyfriend and my two cats. That's it. Mm-hmm. And that would be detrimental for, for my mental health. So I guess the main reason why uh, even like to this day, I keep my day job is to be able to interact socially. Interesting. I'm an author and uh... I theoretically I'll be fine not interacting with anyone. And that is that when in the years that that happened, that was rough. Uh, yeah, especially yeah. like after the pandemic hit. Um, it's yeah, any chance that socializing safely uh, mm-hmm. uh, that I can get, I, I grab. Um, do you have like do you uh, dream or have you know do, do you want? Uh, someone from, say, Netflix or the million other places that are doing stuff today approaches you and says, you know, we would like to buy this uh, comic book, the right to do this comic book. Would you? Honestly, if anyone said no, I think they would be a bold-faced liar. (laughs) But mostly because, well, absolutely yes for me. Mm -hmm. But because I think that the type of story that I have and even more so like the type of characters that I have and the character designs and the settings would definitely fit the trend of like Netflix animated series that have been going on in the past few years, but also like the like Cartoon Network um, animated series that have become popular the past few years. So things like um, uh, Avatar, Centaur World, uh, She-Ra, uh, there's so many others, but I can't remember them right now. But anyway, they, they kind of like fit the the vibe, I mm-hmm. guess, that my comic has. So while I do believe that it would be unrealistic of me to expect Netflix to come knocking on my door and say, hey, here's some money. Give us your story. <laughs> um, if it were to happen. Yeah, definitely. Um because I feel like it's a kind of story that Netflix or like the people who enjoy Netflix animated series would like. So like, it's good for children, but like adults can definitely enjoy it too. Nice. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted uh, uh, to talk about that we didn't cover? 
Oh, uh, one last thing. Um, I, I mentioned this briefly. Um, Kickstarter, I'm launching volume two on January 15th. So if you'll look up on Kickstarter, Sunrise Blossom, from it'll be live from January 15th to February 15th. Uh, volume two, I'll be selling for roughly 15 euros or about 16 US dollars. Well, the combination of volume one and volume two will be about 35 euros, uh, which is about 40 uh, US dollars. And don't be scared about the euro symbol because shipping to the US is very cheap because I have a deal with a log uh, comic logistics company that is helping me um, ship to the US, which makes it a lot cheaper. So shipping to the US will only be like 13 euros which is about, I have it written somewhere. There it is. Yeah, it's about $14.50. Okay. So don't worry, because I know a lot of people like don't really want to buy comics, any comics from Europe because of the shipping costs. But don't worry, because it's cheap. And if you like bird girls, if you like, if you like girl kissing, uh, if you like falcons, if you like drama, you'll like Sunrise Blossom. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Well, sure. Wait, wait, don't go without telling what, yes, websites, what can people find. Oh, um, so uh, I have a link tree and everyone can find me all my social media on there. So it's linktr.ee slash Nina D. Aberline. Okay. And there you've got the, the Kickstarter page, the trailer, my Patreon, my Webtoon, my Twitter, my Instagram, my Twitch, my TikTok, my newsletter, my Tapas, my Discord, my Furfinity, and my Facebook page. Thank you so much to Nina. Her link tree, by the way, is uh, Nina D. Aberline, which is spelled A-B-E-R-L-E-I-N. And you can find it in the show notes with all the thousands of links it entails. Now... Next time, because there's always a next time, we will be back in the United States with the journey of an indie comic book creator. So stick around. As always, a very personal story. Stick around for that. Speaking of which, I have a small announcement. Geekdom Empowers is moving to twice a week. Three times a week is unsustainable for me, as you may have noticed. I have an actual job. I have my own writing project. I have a wife and three daughters. As much as I want, give them in pause three times a week. Actually, what it's seven times a week. Three was kind of a, a compromise for me. But, you know, that's just my dreams. Eventually, when we have enough money, I want to have this, you know, the 24-hour geek channel where we just talk to geeks all around the world, 24 hours a day. But that, that's not sustainable either with the current budget. Anyway. Hopefully, you'll enjoy the podcast this way and we won't have missing episodes. So, starting next week, we'll be on Tuesdays and Thursdays every week. I hope you enjoy the, those, those episodes. I have very special ones recorded and waiting and other people just as special uh, waiting to be interviewed. So, what did you think about this episode? Email me at guy.hasson at victiminpowers.com. Hasson is spelled H-A-S-S-O-N. Also email me about guests. If you think you have great guests that would have great stories, have great journeys, uh, can tell, you know, have interesting geek stuff to talk about, send them over, recommend them. I will contact them. 
Our website is geekdomainpowers.com. On Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, we're at geekdomainpowers. And on YouTube, all the links in the show notes, we're geekdomainpowers. If you want to check out my other podcast, The Squash Buckler Diaries, it's an experiment in um, fantasy and storytelling. It's like nothing you've ever seen before, nothing you've ever read before, anything you imagine when you hear me say this. It's not that at all. So if you want, feel free to check it out, The Squash Buckler Diaries. I will see you next time. And for now, have an empowered day.